0: Edom tries but fails to live among the stars. What was stolen from us will once again be ours. The Jews will be gathered from France and Spain. Esav's destruction will lead to Hashem's reign. So, this week's parsha is Parshat Vayishlach, and the haftorah is the entire book of Ovadia. The entire book of Ovadia is only one chapter. It's very short. And for Parshat Vayishlach, we actually read the entire book of Ovadia um, for the Haftorah. So who was this Ovadia that wrote the Haftorah? So Rashi, and Rashi's following what the Gemara says, the Gemara in the name of Rabbi Meir says that um, says that this Ovadia was none other than the Ovadia that um, was the servant of King Akav and Queen Yezabel, who uh, Queen Yezabel made a decree to kill all of the Torah sages. And um, Ovadia secretly hid a hundred prophets in a cave and fed them and uh, allowed them to to prosper and to live. Um, and the Gemara says there, uh, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, says that Asav, um, so, so Asav, he was around... Um, Saddikim, he was around, you know, his his uh, his brother Yaakov, uh, his parents, you know, Yitzchak, uh, his grandfather, um, you know, Avraham, and all the matriarchs, all these great people, all these Saddikim. Nonetheless, Asav couldn't capitalize on being around so many great people. In contrast to that, in sharp contrast, Ovadia, Ovadia was um, around Rashaim, was around very wicked people. He was around King Ech, you know. King Achav and Queen Yuzabel, one of the sort of worst leaders in Jewish history, um, very evil and wicked people. Nonetheless, Ovadia um, was very God-fearing and a tremendous person. So it says here that basically the idea is that Asav, that the the Gemara sort of criticizes Asav for saying, Asav had all the opportunities handed to him on a golden platter. He was born into this perfect family. And Ovadia had anything but that. And nonetheless, he was able to um, overcome it. Another reason, so, so Ovadia, as we'll see in this half week's after Torah, Ovadia criticizes um, very harshly Edom. Edom, of course, was the sort of the progeny of Esau, Aesop, that Aesop's future descendants would turn into the nation of Edom. And uh, Ovadia criticizes this nation of Edom. Um, and what's interesting is Ovadia himself comes from Edom. Ovadia, Ovadia was probably one of the most famous converts in Jewish history, um, and Ovadia himself was an an Adomi. He 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 was an Edomite, and um, he. So so the Gemara teaches this concept that um, the handle for an axe comes from the forest. That basically the point being that um, you know the the thing that destroys the forest, the axe, the thing that makes that possible, the handle for the axe comes from the forest itself. And so too Ovadia. Ovadia speaks about sort of the um the the uh, impending doom the destruction of his pri- you know of of his of his people of the of the Edomites um and he he says that you know and he himself was an Edomite and uh he was a convert and he you know he was the one that had to criticize you know his his own people um so it's interesting though uh the Ibn Ezra disagrees um, with, this, with, with the Gemara and says, no, the, the Gemara uh, is that the basic understanding is this man, Ovadia, who wrote our Haftorah is actually not who we, who we said it was. It's not this, you know, it's not the, the servant of King Ahav and Queen Oh, Rather, um, you know, and, and his proof for that is we see that it says that he's God-fearing. However, being a Navi, being a prophet is a bigger title than being a God-fearing person you have to be God-fearing in order to be a Navi. So if you're a Navi, that's even bigger and better than being God-fearing. So if he was a Navi, then the then you know where, where we see Ovadia in other places, he should have, instead of being called God-fearing, he should have been called a Navi. Um, and the Ezra says, really, this person lived much later, you know, many, many years later uh, in the times of Yermia. Um, and he was actually, he wasn't just one prophet. He was rather sort of a collection of different prophecies. Um, the Abarbanel strongly disagrees with the Ibn Ezra and brings an interesting proof. As I mentioned, Rev. Meir was the person, Rev. Meir was the person that, um, that that in, in the Gemara, that claims that uh, Ovadia was the same, this Ovadia in the Saftora is the same Ovadia that was, you know, the, the one that saved those hundred prophets from the destruction of Queen Azavu. And um, so the the Abarbanel says Rabbi Meir himself was a descendant of of Gerim, was a descendant of converts from the Edomites. And Rabbi Meir, um, basically the Abarbanel claims that Rabbi Meir sort of looked back at his uh, ancestral tree and saw that Ovadia was one of his Zadis, one of his, his, uh, you know, grandfathers at some point in time. And then, um, and then you could trace Ovadia all the way back to, Edom. That, um, that Ravi R- R- himself was someone that would intimately know because he himself came from, uh, was was used to be an Edomite. He had family origins of being an Edomite, and so he could look back at his family tree and see that Ovadia was on his family tree, and even further back, Asav was on his family tree. So Ravimair says there's the above and all claims Ravi is in a unique, uniquely positioned. To make the claim that this this Ovadia is the exact same Ovadia that we saw, um, you know, as the person that saves those hundred prophets, um, uh, and it, just an interesting idea there, uh, uh, you know, a, a disagreement between the Abarbanel and the Ibn Ezra about who uh, Ovadia is. Okay, um, so getting into the actual Haftorah now. Um, so Hashem says, we've heard news from Hashem. And a messenger, um, we've, we've heard news from Hashem about Edom, and a messenger was sent among the nations. Kumi, arise, get up, for battle. So the point here, what is this news that we hear from Hashem? The commentaries say this is that Hashem himself will battle Edom. Normally, um, you know, there has to be natural forces that kill off sort of the Jewish enemies. However, here it's saying in the end of days, Hashem himself will take battle against the wicked, uh, you know, nation of Edom. And of course, Edom is, uh, like I said, Edom and Asav are one and the same. Asav was, uh, the descend. the, Ed- Edom came from Asav. Uh, one interesting note is that, you know, Esav is called an, um, and, an, uh, <coughs> Esav is referred to as an Edomite, even though, so where does that come from? Esau he originally, he was born red, uh, Edom means red, so maybe you would think that he was named Ace. He was named Edom immediately upon birth. However, we see no. He was actually only named Edom once he sold his birthright for those uh, for for that bowl of of red lentils, and um, it was only once he sold his birthright was he called Edom because the idea being that just because you're born red doesn't mean you have to stay red. Um, it was only once he sort of doubled down on his identity as being born red. And he sold his birthright for a bowl of red soup that we call him Edom. But it's not because of his birth. Just because he was born red doesn't mark him as an Edomite. Rather, it's the fact that he later on in life proved that he was still red. He still hadn't changed all those years later when he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. So that's why we call him Edom, from the fact that he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. Um, So, okay. So uh, it says, so as I've mentioned, Hashem himself will battle Edom. And then it says, Hashem, um, you know, I've made you, Edom, a katon. I've made you the small one among the nations. And you're very despised because um, there's no blessing. Because um, and, and you're very despised. Why, why is Edom very despised? Because he didn't get a blessing from Yitzchak. It's interesting. Um, we say here that Edom was called a katon, a very small. It's interesting, though, in the Torah portion last week or two weeks ago, uh, we saw that, you know, we we when when Asav and Yaakov were still in the womb, Esav was called actually the the Guttel, and Yaakov was called the katan. Um and the the little one would serve the the little one the, the big one the Guttel would serve the katan. Um However, here it seems like Edom now has become the Katan. Maybe the point being here is that eventually, in the end of days, the big one, even though Edom was born first, he was the Guttel. Um, he ultimately would come to serve his younger brother uh, and, and he would sort of be small in the eyes of Asa, in the eyes of Yaakov. Um, and the other interesting thing is Edom is very, uh, very closely or, or is considered to uh, be basically Rome, the Roman Empire. And um, perhaps this is saying that even though the Roman Empire at one point in time seemed massive, like this, you know, indestructible force, God says, I can see right through that. You're just some small little thing that eventually will come to, uh, you know, its downfall, which ultimately it does. Um, okay. So then it says the wickedness in your heart in in Adam's heart has misled you. You dwell in rocks in the lofty abode and you challenge God by saying, who can bring me down to earth? Um, and even if you nest like an eagle or you try to find a home amongst the stars I, Hashem, will bring you down. So what's this talking about? So one of the commentaries say that when we read about the dream that Yaakov had with the ladder, with the angels going up and down, that he saw angels corresponding to each galut, each uh, exile of the Jewish people. So for each galus, there was a, you know, a different angel that climbed up. So for the three galus, you know, for the three times that the Jews were exiled before, um, they went up, you know, a certain amount of steps for each year that they were in Gallus, and then they ultimately went down. However, um, you know, the commentaries say that today we're in, we're currently in the exile of Edom, and Yaakov he saw the angel for the exile of Edom continuously climb higher and higher and higher, all the way way up into the sky, among the stars, even. Um, and he basically asked God, when will this angel ever come down? Um, you know, when will this, uh, when will this exile ever end the exile we're currently in right now? And God says, don't worry, I'll bring them down. And that's maybe what the, what Ovadia here is saying is that even though it might seem like this, this exile is going on forever, it's going on for so many years. It's like that angel reached all the way up into the stars. Nonetheless, God says, eventually this exile too will come to an end and will be brought down to earth. Um, so the Aftor continues if thieves come upon you, upon you, um, plunderers at night, they steal only uh, what they steal only until they have enough for themselves. And it goes on to say, if grape harvesters came, they also will leave some gleanings. However, Esau stands in sharp contrast to that. Edom um, stands in sharp contrast and is basically relentless in hurting the Jewish people. What does this all mean? It's basically saying that a normal thief you know let's say a normal thief comes in and you know into a jewelry shop a normal thief steals or or, or let's say even simpler a a thief comes and breaks into um you know it, it is is starving and breaks into a bakery so a thief will take what they need to eat for that for that day you know they'll take some loaves of bread but they're not going to take the entire store with them they're not going to burn the whole place on fire they're just going to take what they need to satisfy themselves in the short term so that's what the after is saying here is that a normal thief only steals up until the point that they have enough for themselves, and if someone only will steal grapes until they have you know once they once they 've eaten their fill, then they leave whatever's left however asav is sort of it's not just eating what they need to survive they're relentless they they will burn the whole place down um just to hurt the jewish people um and that's sort of their raison d'etre that 's why they exist um just to basically hurt the jewish people is is what the author is saying that. They're not just merely thieves trying to take what they need to survive. Rather, they're going above and beyond sort of survival and going into sort of malice territory just to hurt the Jewish people. Then it says, uh, Asav will be searched um, and his hordes will be revealed. And this is basically the idea that in the end of days, sort of um, all of Asav's sins will be openly revealed. Um, All the plots, you know, against the Jewish people Will be uh, will be revealed to us. Then it says, um, "The men of your covenant, the Anshe Britecha, um, escorted you to the border, and the men of peace mislead you and prevailed over you." So what's this talking about? It's basically that Asav tried to make a lot of you know um, alliances and allegiances with other countries with other people. However. Basically, all of those are conditional on Aesop's, on, on Aesop or on, on Edom's success. And the example here given is, you know, the Roman Empire that had so many, so much power, that they made so many deals with different countries and different nation states, etc. Um, different powers at the time. And once they started falling, then, you know, once uh, Aesop, and, or sorry, once, once Rome started falling, then uh, all of their allies were not there to help them. And that's basically what it's saying is it might seem like you have so many allies now but the only reason they're they're you know helping you out is because you're succeeding. Once you start failing, they're not you know they're they're conditional friends. They're going to leave once they get the first sniff that you're not doing well anymore. They're just there for sort of your your money. And that's what it says that uh the men of peace, these people that seem like they're they're happy with you and they, you know, make a, a covenant with you. They're really just there uh, conditionally. Once you start your downfall, they're going to leave you. It says, um, those that eat your bread will wound you in your place. And, um, Eine t'vun, Eine bo, that uh, they have no understanding. So then the Torah continues by saying, on that day, I will eradicate the Chachamim from Edom and understanding from Har Esav. Um, and the idea here is that basically, what does this mean that Edom had chachamim, that Edom had wise people, had sages? Um, the idea being is that the truth is, um, Esav was actually very smart and he was very skilled at sort of worldly matters. Um, that that uh, Esav was very, could, have, could have at least have had the potential to use those skills, to use that wisdom, to use those sort of street smarts, street smarts um, into doing tremendous good. However, he used them in perverse ways and bad ways. And therefore, God says, even though I've given you this great gift of having sages and, and being having this understanding, um, since you have perverted it and haven't used it in productive ways, and in fact, have used it in harmful ways, then I'm going to take it all away from you. So just because you have sages in your community, it might be those sages are actually corrupt and using their wisdom in, in terrible ways. Um, uh, then... Uh, the after continues, <coughs> your mighty ones in the South will be broken and cut out and cut off from Mount Esau and slaughtered. So again, this is talking about sort of the ultimate destruction of Esav that they'll ultimately be cut off and slaughtered. And, um, for oppressing Yaakov, um, Hamas Achicha, for oppressing your brother Yaakov, um, who then, then as a result, because you disgraced Yaakov, um, disgrace will envelop you and you'll be cut off forever. Um, and how exactly have, has Edom um, oppressed Yaakov? So the Haftorah explains. Um, the Haftorah says that you stood from afar, you, Edom, stood from afar while strangers captured Yaakov's wealth and foreigners cast a lot on the holy city of Yerushalayim. And you, Edom, were just like one of them. So basically, you stood by idly while your brother's blood was being shed. That even though, yeah, it's true, the Jewish people had deserved it. You know, the Jewish people were also were, were not were far from perfect, and they actually deserved the destruction that they, they got. However, Edom, the, the the you know the Edom shouldn't have cheered when Yaakov, when his brother, you know, when their when their brothers, when their cousins, uh, were destroyed. That uh, the nation of Edom should have felt sort of a brotherly love toward Yaakov, and not stood idly by while uh, the Jewish people were getting were getting destroyed. It's the the says don't don't uh, gaze, don't look at your brother on the day of estrangement, and don't rejoice on the day of Yehuda's destruction, and don't open your mouth on their day of misfortune. So again, this is just saying you shouldn't rejoice when your brother is struggling, and. The brother, of course, being Asav, was brothers with Yaakov, and then it says, "Don't enter the gate of my people on the day of calamity, on the day of calamity, and take Jewish wealth." So not only did Asav basically sort of cheer on the people that were destroying um, the Jewish people, but they even, you know, they even took part in sort of plundering uh, Jewish wealth. And then it says, "Don't deliver um, survivors to the Jewish captors." That basically it says that. Asav um would help the Jewish enemies by either standing in the way of, you know, blocking uh different uh you know alleyways and, and highways that the Jewish people would travel on, or they would even do worse, they would send they, they would when they would find Jews, they would capture them and send them off and sell them to Jewish to, to, to um to their captors. The Torah continues here um, by saying, Ki karov Yom Hashem. Um, that the day of Hashem is close, and that means that the day of Messiah, the the sort of Mashiach times of Mashiach are are close, supposedly. Whatever that means exactly. Then it says, This means that as you've done, so will be done to you. Um, and turn your head, uh, and 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 uh, and turn your head. Um. So the point here is that. Uh, sorry, turn your head and become as if uh, <coughs> it turn your head and become as if they never were. Um, so this is referring to this kaasher asita v'yasalach is that basically, you know, sort of uh, just like you've you know oppressed your brother Yaakov, so too in the end of days you will ultimately become oppressed. Um, and and the point here also is that you know, turn your head and become as if they never were. This is maybe referring to the Roman, the destruction of Rome, that, um, you know, the Roman Empire, it was such a force to be reckoned with. And, and now <clears throat> it's like it's, uh, you know, just a page in a history book. It's a nothing. And it's as if they never were. The author continues by saying, just as you drink on my holy mountains, all nations will drink nonstop. Um and the point here is that basically the, the, what, what does this mean drink? It means sort of drink the wrath of God that, uh, that God will be so angry at all the nations that had hurt the Jewish people that they'll, they'll be like drinking God's anger, um, you know, with n- nonstop. Um, then the author continues by saying, um, on heart, there will be refuge. It will be a holy day. Beit Yaakov will inherit those that stole from him, that basically all the different nations that stole from the Jewish people ultimately um, will come back to the Jews in the end of the day. Then it says, in the end of the days, then um, that it says that Beit Yaakov will be fire and Beit Yosef will be a flame and Asav will be a straw that, that will be ignited. So that basically the Jewish people, Beit Yaakov and Beit Yosef, will be these like fires and Asav in the end of the days won't, will fall from being this mighty, you know, nation of, of Rome and will ultimately just be like straw, something that can be very easily burned and consumed and ignited um, by sort of the fire. What is this fire? Of course, Torah is referred to as fire. Um, so perhaps it's sort of the the fire of Torah will ultimately come to burn Esav. Um One interesting thing is why is Yaakov, it says, Beit Yaakov is a flame. You're Sorry, it says, so it says, Beit Yaakov is a fire. That makes sense. Yaakov was, um, you know, uh, was a patriarch. However, it says Beit Yosef is a flame. Yosef is only one of the 12 tribes. Why is Yosef um, explicitly called out here? So perhaps um, Yosef is referring, Beit Yosef often refers to the Jewish people that have been estranged, um, that have, uh, you know, are, that are either no longer Jewish or no longer practicing. And it says that in the end of days, even those estranged people. Those people that are that are no longer practicing Judaism will ultimately come back and will not only come back, but be a flame. Another idea is Yosef himself um, stands in sharp contrast to Esaf, that Asaf um, tried to kill Yaakov his entire life. However, um Yosef, even after being, you know, sold away by his brothers into Egypt, nonetheless. When he became when, when Yosef had a lot more power than his brothers, when Yosef was the leader of Egypt, Yosef was felt compassion and saved his brothers, um, which stands in in sharp contrast to Esav that always tried to kill his brother Yaakov. Then it says, uh, "No survivor, um, there will be no survivor in the house of Esav." Hashem said, um, "What is this?" So so one of the uh, interesting commentaries here says that there was um, a, a Roman general that used to study Torah and that roman general came to one of the jewish leaders and and quoted this pasuk and said look it, it your your you know um your uh your sages uh ovadia said that no survivor um will be from the house of asaph and the um the jews comforted this this holy person that studied torah and said uh, no that that's just referring to people that are uh, following sort of in the ways of Asav, even though you're a descendant of Asav, you've transformed your ways, and you'll be saved. Um, so it's not that all all people of you know all descendants of Asav will be killed. It's those that follow, ascribe to the wicked principles of Asav, uh, that will not survive. Then it says the those of the south will inherit Har Asav, and the lowlands will inherit the land of the Philistines, Ephraim, and Samaria. And Benjamin will um, will inherit Gilead, and the Bnei that are in exile among the Canaanites that are in France, and those that are exiled from Jerusalem in Spain, um, in in Svard in Spain will inherit the southern cities. Okay, so if, interesting um, thing here. So it it mentions France and Spain. So one opinion here is this isn't really referring to France and Spain. This is referring to some place we don't know about. But the words for you know in Hebrew for France and Spain, like Spain being sparred, is in the Saf Torah. So is it actually referring to France and Spain? Um, and the, I think the Abarbanel here says something interesting. That um, first of all, it says that the Canaanites are in France and Spain. France, of course, being you know just the general region where the Holocaust happened. That the wicked Canaanites. Um, are there. And why that's sort of why um, something like the Holocaust could have happened, because uh, they are ultimately descendants of the Canaanites. Um, one opinion says there, it's interesting. Another thing, though, it's it sounds like there are also a lot of Jewish people, the B'nai Israel are in exile in France and in Spain. Um, what does this mean? So and, and it says that they'll ultimately come to live in those cities. Um, so but you look at the populations of both France, you know, especially Spain, but somewhat France, there aren't many Jews there today. So what does this mean that they're going to come to inherit the the southern cities of Israel? Uh, perhaps what it means is that uh, in France and Spain, there's a lot of people that were either forced to convert or convert because of, you know, converted from Judaism because of some kind of pressure. And it says those people, even those people that have converted for many thousands of years now, um, will ultimately come back to Judaism, just an interesting opinion there, that really there are sort of partially, partial blood, partially blooded Jews in those cities, um, sorry, in those countries, and those people will come back, an interesting idea. Then it says, um, the bringers of salvation, the the saviors, will climb Har Sion to judge Har Asav, um, and the kingdom will be Hashem's. Uh, Hashem um, Hamlucha. The kingdom will be Hashem's. What does this mean that the saviors will judge Har Asav? So in this week's Torah, in this week's Torah portion, Asav tells Yaakov tells Esav, um that I will I. Yaakov says I will come to my Lord. I'll come to Asav at Seir. What is this Seir? Um, it's perhaps Seir and Har and um and Har Asav are the same thing. That Seir when it says Yaakov never ended up coming to, to Seir, and the commentaries say the reason he never came to Seir is because that's talking about the end of days. In the end of days, the, um, Yaakov, your Yaakov's descendants, the Jewish people, will come to judge Asav on Seir. And then in the end, the kingdom of Hashem uh, will will reign. Okay, so to recap uh, what I spoke about, so I spent some time explaining who exactly is this Obadiah in our Haftorah. Um, the general opinion from uh, Rashi and from the Gemara, um, in quoting Rabbi Meir is that this Ovadia was none other than the famous Ovadia that um, that uh, was lived in, and was the servant of King Ahav and Queen Isabel and he was the one that saved the the hundred prophets from destruction. Um, and the 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 Gemara there in Sanhedrin says that Asav. Was around Tzadikim. He was in. He was born in the perfect environment. Nonetheless, he turned out bad. And Ovadia was born exactly opposite. He was born. He he lived amongst uh, terrible people. Rashayim, He lived amongst you know King Acha of Queen Izabel, Horrible people. Nonetheless, he was a tremendous person. Um, <clears throat> and the Ibn Ezra disagrees with the Gemara and says no. Um, there's no way that this guy this this Ovadia was the same Ovadia. Uh, that you know, saved the hundred prophets. Rather, he was um, he you know they they call him God fearing, and uh, the he's the the Ovadia that saved a hundred prophets. is called God fearing, but and being a navi is even a bigger and better title than being God fearing. So the fact that they didn't call him a navi and they called him God fearing must be that he actually lived later. He lived rather in the times of Yermia. Um. And the Abarbanel, though, strongly disagrees with the Ebenezer's opinion that this, that Ovadia was not the same Ovadia as the Gemara says it is. Because the Abarbanel proves this point by saying, first of all, um, that, that uh, we read in actually a few Haftorahs ago that the widow of Ovadia um, says the, the widow of Ovadia is called uh, a widow of the prophets, a, a wife of a prophet. Um, so that's proof that Ovadia was a prophet. Um, also, uh, the Abarbanel explains that Rabbi Meir was the opinion that said Ovadia was none other than the, the you know the the person that saved the hundred prophets. And um, and the Abarbanel claims that Rabbi Meir is in a unique position to say such to say such a claim to make such a claim because Rabbi Meir himself was um, his family were converts from uh, from Asav and so he knows in his family tree that uh that Ovadia was his like you know great 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 great, great grandfather um and even and then past Ovadia Ovadia was a descendant of Esau um so Rabbi Barbanel claims that Rabbi Meir especially knows because he has a family tree that uh oh, that 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 this Ovadia that speak that's that's speaking here in our Haftorah is the exact same Ovadia um, that saved the hundred prophets from Queen Yisrael. Um Okay, so Hashem says, we've heard the news um, from Hashem and a messenger was sent amongst the nations. Kumi arise and battle, arise for battle. And this is saying that Hashem himself will battle Edom. Um, and Edom, of course, being the exact same as uh, Esau. And I mentioned that Edom is only called Edom. Um, not when he was born, Asav was born red, but he's not called Edom at that point. Rather, he's only called Edom later when he proved his true identity, when he sold his, be- you know, when he sold his birthright for those, uh, for that, for that bowl of red beans, bowl of red lentils. Then he says, uh, I've made you Edom, um, a cotton. I've made you small among the nations. I mentioned how <clears throat> originally Asav's actually called the bigger one, um, in the womb, However, here he's called small. Why is he called small? Perhaps because God sort of saw through the powerful Edomite nations. You know, for example, Rome. Um, Rome seems so indestructible and powerful. God saw through that, though, and said, really, Rome is ultimately going to fall and just be a page in, you know, a page of history. Um, and it says that the uh, Edom was despised, was hated. Why were they hated? It's because they didn't have a blessing from Yitzhak because Yaakov stole it. But then it says, the wickedness were was in your heart and misled you. Um, you, asaph dwelled in rocks in the lofty abode and challenged God by saying, who can bring me down to earth? E- and then God says, even if your nest is like an eagle, or even if you live among the stars, I, Hashem, will bring you down. And this is potentially referring to when Yaakov had the dream with the ladder, he saw different angels corresponding to... Um, the different, you know, times the Jewish people have been in exile and all the, the you know, the, the three prior exiles were somewhat short and they ended. However, the current exile of Edom, that angel kept climbing, 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 corresponding to the many, many numbers of years, um, that have, that have, you know, uh, amassed, um, during the, uh, during the exile of Edom. However, God says that even though that, you know, this exile is a long one, and even if it reaches all the way up into the stars, the ladder is so long, it goes all the way up into the stars. Ultimately, in the end, Hashem will bring um, even this even this exile to an end. Um, and then the Aftor says, If thieves come upon you and plunder at night, they steal only until they have enough for themselves. And if grape harvesters come, they leave gleanings. And the point here being that normal thieves... Um, you know, normal normal thieves only take what they need. Normal people that are, you know, stealing grapes, they're only going to take the grapes they need and leave whatever's left. However, Asav is not there just to sort of fill up his stomach. Asav is there to relentlessly hurt the Jews. He's not only going to, you know, come into the, to the bakery and steal a couple loaves of bread to feed his family. He's rather, Asav is going to burn the whole place to the ground. Um, and that's criticizing, you know, criticizing uh, Asav or criticizing Edom for for being like that. Then it says uh, asaph will be searched, and his ha- his hordes will be revealed. Uh, the commentaries say this may be referring to his the wicked plots against the Jewish people will be revealed. Then it says the men of your covenant, the Anshe Britecha, escorted you to the border, and the men of peace misled you and prevailed over you. What is this talking about? That these men of peace. Escorted you to the border. I mentioned that basically, um, when Edom is powerful, when you know when when Rome is at the top of its power, then everybody's friendly. You know, and when you're when you're on the top, everybody wants to be your friend. However, the Torah is is claiming here that all these so-called friends of Edom will ultimately abandon Edom when you know the going gets tough. They'll only they'll only bring them to the border, but once you know you they they start to get on the edge. Once they're almost going to fall off, then, um, then uh, you know, the, the all their so-called friends will leave them. Um, then it says, those that eat your bread will wound you in your place and they'll have no understanding for you. Then it says, on that day, I will eradicate the Chachamim from Edom and understanding from Har Esav. I mentioned here that Esav had the potential to be tremendous scholars. They were, in fact, they were very smart. They had Chachamim, they had sages. They had a tremendous understanding, and they could have used that power for the good. However, since they abused it, not only they didn't use it correctly, but rather they used it in sort of a a way to attack the Jewish people, then as a result, um, God will come and basically take away all of the sages um, that have corruptly used their wisdom um, in Edom. So then it says, your mighty ones in the south will be broken and cut out, cut off from Mount Esau, and slaughtered. And then it says, um, <coughs> because you have oppressed Yaakov, because you have oppressed your brother, um, disgrace will envelop you, and you'll be cut off forever. How has, uh, how has Esau disgraced his brother Yaakov? It's because... Um, the Haftorah claims that you stood from afar while strangers captured Yaakov's wealth and foreigners cast a lot on your Shalayim. And you are just like one of them. So basically, um, Esav stood by, you know, or Edom stood idly by while, uh, sort of their cousins, while their brother, uh, Yaakov was being destroyed. Um, and of course Yaakov sort of, the Jewish people sort of deserved it. They were not being, um, you know, not being, uh, uh, righteous. And therefore they were kicked out of, out of, uh, you know, the, the temples were destroyed for good reason. However, um, you know, the Asaph shouldn't have been cheering them on, shouldn't have been cheering the Jewish people's enemies on. And that's exactly what they did. Then it says, um, the Aftora criticizes Asaph for saying, don't look at your brother on the day of estrangement. Don't rejoice on the day of Yehuda's destruction. Don't open your mouth on the day of misfortune. So don't celebrate when your brother Yaakov is being destroyed. Then it says, don't enter the gate of my people on the day of calamity and take Jewish wealth. So not only did Esav cheer on the enemies of the Jewish people, but once the Jews were kicked out, they even came in and, uh, you know, plundered uh, the, you know, what was there. And then it says, don't deliver survivors to Jewish, ca- to, to um, the Jewish people's captors. So this is basically that Esav not only would cheer on the, you know, the enemies of the Jews, but they would even capture the Jewish people and, um, and uh, you know, send them off as captors to. Um, sorry, send them off as you know, captives to uh, to the ca- to to the Jewish people's uh, enemies. Then it says, "Ki Karov Yom Hashem," that the day of Hashem is close. The day of Moshiach is close. asiti just as you've done, so will be done to you. That just as Esau has cr- basically uh, tried to destroy the Jewish people. Um, in turn, you will ultimately be destroyed. And then it says that, um, you're, you know, it will be as if you never were. What does this mean? Perhaps this is talking about the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire being sort of a part and parcel of Edom. The Roman Empire used to sound so, so, you know, huge, so giant. And nonetheless, it's, you know, now nowadays, they're just a page in the history books. It says, just as you drink on my holy mountain, all nations will drink nonstop. That all the nations that tried to destroy the Jewish people will sort of drink Hashem's wrath nonstop. Then it says on Hartzion, there will be refuge, it will be holy, the Beit Yaakov will inherit those that stole from him, that ultimately the Jewish people will uh, come to inherit everything that was stolen from them. Then it says, Beit Yaakov will be fire, Beit Yosef will be a flame, and Esav will be like straw that will be ignited. So fire, maybe this is referring to the fire of Torah. Why is Beit Yosef being mentioned? Yosef is just one of the 12 tribes. So perhaps Yosef is mentioned because Beit Yosef often refers to those that are estranged from Judaism. So even those estranged will ultimately, you know, and don't follow Judaism, ultimately will come back. That's one interpretation. Another reason why Yosef is targeted, is is specified here, is because Yosef stands in sharp contrast to Esav. Asaph, you know, um, Asaph tried to kill his brother, uh, Yaakov, as where Yosef, even though Yosef had a reason to be very angry at his brothers for sell- for selling him to Egypt, uh, ultimately, Yosef was nothing but uh, accommodating and, and, and nice to his brothers when, um, you know, after a little bit of trickery, but in the end, um, you know Yosef was was very accommodating and nice to his brothers uh, when his brothers came to them came to him looking for food um, and Yosef is the leader of Egypt to help them. Um, and then it says no survivor um, will be in the house of Esau. I mentioned this doesn't literally mean no survivor because there was an, uh, someone that was from Esau that learned Torah and the sages say that he would be saved. Um, so it's just people that sort of embody the Asav sort of mentality that will be destroyed. Um, then it says those in the south will inherit when it will inherit Har Asav. The lowlands will inherit the Philistines, Ephraim and Samaria. The Benjamin will get will will inherit Gilead. The Bnei Yisrael um, are in exile and among the Canaan, and among the Canaanites um, in France. And the exiles of Jerusalem are in Spain. Um, so, why are France and Spain mentioned here? Um, one possible interpretation is that the Canaanites who are in France are basically the uh, you know the wicked Nazis. One uh, interpretation says another reason here is that in France and in Spain, there are a lot of um, sort of forced converts, a lot of sort of Jewish blood, and it says perhaps those people will ultimately uh, come back in the end of days. Um, and another sort of third interpretation is just that the names mentioned here, France and Spain, aren't referring to the countries that we know them as today. Rather, they're referring to sort of some kind of area in the Middle East. Um, and then it says, um, the bringers of salvation, the saviors, will climb hard and judge Har Asav. This is referring to in the Torah portion where Yaakov tells Asav, I will come to my Lord at Seir, even though Yaakov never comes to Seir. And the um, commentaries explain that Seir, rather, it's talking about at the end of days in the times of the Mashiach, that, Esav, that that Yaakov will, um, you know, will confront Esav, um, where at Seir, at, at Har Esav, um, the 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 Jewish people will judge Esav, will will judge uh, there, and then in the end, the kingdom will be Hashem, uh, kingdom will be Hashem's, um, Hashem Hamlucha. But that I'll read my poem. Edom tries but fails to live among the stars. What was stolen from us will once again be ours. The Jews will be gathered from France and Spain. asaph's destruction will lead to Hashem's reign. And with that, Lachaim Lachaim. And uh, this has been the whole haftorah.